You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. Going. Oh, it is going fantastic. Um, okay, before we start, just to say that uh, Kieran couldn't make it this week. It is Mother's Day in Ireland, so he's spending the day with his family. Uh, we have no regard for our mothers, so we're not doing that. No, <laughs> I did not realize it's what I say. I did not realize it's what I say until this very moment. So I'm going to make a quick phone call. <laughs> no, we're not that bad. Oh, my, 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 yeah. Yeah, we're not yet. No, uh, my parents are currently on holidays, so that's my excuse. And uh, David Wolf uh, is living on the other side of the planet, so that's yeah. Uh, I, I gave my mammy a text. Good. It's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. fine. Um, and I am going. We ask, I'm going. I'm going crazy after watching uh, the, this fantastic PAX panel. Yes. Um, this, this has just happened. Uh, we are fresh on the other side of it, and uh, I'm pretty hyped. What are you? Yes, I'm extremely hyped. We are hot off the presses here. Um, literally just concluded watching the the uh, PAX War of the Spark reveal uh, panel, and we have a whole bunch of cards to talk about. We have mechanics to talk about. Of course, the Mythic Invitational has been going on. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, maybe maybe we'll we'll uh, <laughs> we'll bury the lead and talk about the Mythic Invitational a little bit first. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, uh... Just get the get the small stuff out of the way, you know. Just to get the million dollar. Okay, yeah, out of the way. exactly. I watched uh, Avengers Infinity War for the first time uh, this morning. <laughs> okay, so that's also fresh in my mind. Uh, it's it's I'm struggling to think about other things. But yeah, sorry. Back to back to Magic. Um, I mean, um, this uh, this set is pretty much the Infinity War of Magic, so makes sense. Oh yeah, it's very 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 fitting. I, I, I could say it was not an accident, but actually, that actually was. Um, <laughs> All right. So. Wh- yeah. Anyway, so uh, what did you think about the the Invitational so far? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I've actually been enjoying it so far. There's definitely been some uh, you know, mixed, mixed comments uh, on social media and stuff. I've been, to be honest, I've been following the social media side a little bit more because I've been in, you know, in, in work Thursday or Friday while I was on. Um, I kind of went. Yes, I mean, I, I've definitely been enjoying actual games. Uh, it is very, very refreshing to be able to see um, you know, Magic being played out in such a clear and visible way. Um, I definitely do have some hangups on the, uh, on, the for, on the format itself. But I really just, I've really been enjoying the coverage, the coverage team and the coverage itself. Uh, despite the few little uh, um, finicky issues we've had, uh, technical issues and such, but um, oh, overall, I think it is a very positive experience. And the amount of just to, just to the, the uh, just the scale of the viewership for this is actually absolutely insane. Uh, the top four is ongoing right now, and there are ninety three thousand people watching. That is more people than I think I've, I've ever seen watching a Magic stream by a factor of about three. Yeah, that's bananas. I, I think it did breach hundred uh, k. Um, Maybe yesterday, but wow, really? Yeah. Go. So how, how are you finding it overall? Gold is that yeah, Golden Age, Platinum Age, Mythic Age. It's whoa, yes, Mythic Age. This is a it's 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 a big deal, um, and I think I think it's huge for the game. Uh, yeah, we, we could talk a little bit about format, and there's some things people don't like about it, but uh, I think despite some negative feedback on social media, this by and large has so far been a successful uh, uh, weekend for Wizards of Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, uh, I mean. Keep it positive where we can, I guess. Of course, there's always room to criticize and, and say what could be better, but I think overall, like I've I've really enjoyed it. Um, the the presenters that they've had and the the casters that they've had have really been a highlight for me. Like Kibler, finally seeing Kibler doing magic commentary is just a joy. 
uh, Day Nine. Everybody yeah. loves Day Nine. He's great. I mean, Day I Nine was absolutely love Day Nine. Yeah, he, he was the first yeah. person that I ever watched like a stream of or whatever back when he was doing StarCraft Two. You know, he he he's a personality who kind of brought me into this world of of streaming and watching games being played on on your TV or through your computer. Where I was before, I was like, "What the hell is this?" And uh, yeah, he kind of brought me into that world. So now to see him, you know, casting this game that we all love is is a great feeling. Um, Chian, always a delight. Some of the other people that they've had, like the newer faces, like Alias V and uh, Becca. I can't remember the uh, Becca's second name, but she's doing the announcements in between rounds and, and the uh, aftermatch interviews. Very high energy, really good. Um, yeah, uh, the production value has been good with a few hiccups, a few like, sound things shaky cams um but yeah overall you can see that they've pumped a ton of money into this and it yeah it really shows yeah definitely yeah it's a, it's a yeah this is a big weekend of project capsule um and it, it's it's great to see um, yeah and i am out it so people are definitely enjoying it there, there are some gripes on the subreddit uh, i think a lot of people really don't like the format it's very like rng based it doesn't allow people's skill to come out as much as you would like it to there's a lot of kind of semi-boring Esper control mirrors where there's like loads of dead cards and stuff like that. But I think the, you know, that's the, hmm, what, what, how, how can I say it? Like that's the, the, the wrapping is excellent. Everything looks great. Everything smells great, but it doesn't taste great. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Like a, so it's like you're opening, you have a look in your box of roses and you see a lovely, yellow one there and you you unwrap it and you're like oh that smells great it looks so good you bite into it and instead of getting the caramel one you accidentally got a toffee one and it's just it's it's still okay but it's just not what you're expecting yeah because I, I think uh, maybe well, two or three years ago they changed the colors of all of the roses wrappings which uh, was a very strange move yeah stealth um, stealth nerf yeah exactly it's it's, it's up there with changing a uh, Changing the Pro Tour to the uh, Mythic Championship. Um, <laughs> but anyway, this Mythic... But yeah, you're, you're definitely right. Um, I think yeah, the argument can be made that there is uh, like a lack of depth depth in uh, the gameplay. Like something that we usually... Like I'm comparing like um, uh, the, something, like, something like the Mono Blue Mirrors we're seeing now compared to a few weeks ago, you know, at the Mythic Invitational, the Mono Blue Mirrors we're seeing in the top eight. Uh, like there's like so much... Yeah, so much interplay, so much... Um, I suppose, I mean, even, I suppose... Well, particularly all the Mono Blue matchups, rather. Uh, you can see, like, a lot of the... We, we could see a lot of the team strategy in terms of sideboarding and changing changing um, your your deck's plan. Uh, and all sorts of really kind of cool things like that, uh, which we're seeing... Uh, admittedly, we are seeing a little bit less of uh, this weekend. Um, but, like, then again, like, the, the, just the, the pace of the play is very, very fast. Uh, it is refreshing. Yeah, it's just seeing games play, play out in their entirety uh, over a few minutes. I can see the appeal of uh, of this trio uh, standard. Dual standard, rather. Yeah, definitely. The pace of play stuff can't be understated and, and how clear the battlefields are and stuff like that. Um, very easy to understand, all that kind of thing. Uh, Deckless embedded in the stream, in the overlay. All that stuff, fantastic. Uh, the little face cams on the players. Lots of the uh, kind of the streamers, the personality invitees showing lots of emotion during the games. I think that's great. I think it's something that could could happen more in magic you know a lot of people are very stone-faced when they play they don't want to show emotions because you know it comes from a good place people don't want to bm their opponents they don't want to be like over the moon screaming in their opponent's face when they win and the opponent has lost because they understand that 
well, look, I won, but another person just lost and they feel bad. So it comes from a good place, but at the end of the day, yeah. make for much exciting watching. I mean, even a few weeks ago, I know, I know on the the Pro Points podcast, uh, PV was saying like if he won a Pro Tour or whatever it was, I, I don't know, he, he would just be like not celebrating. He'd be like, oh no, I need to do sideboard. So that's the way a lot of yeah. players are about this kind of thing. And I, I personally am that way as well. I also don't show that much emotion during games unless I'm playing against you or like someone who I know very well. And like, it's okay, we can joke about mm-hmm. it. But at any other time, I'm very kind of uh, very low level emotion, not showing anything. But seeing other people on the screen doing that, I think is absolutely fine and it's good for the game. Yeah, it, it, it is something definitely. Uh, yeah, that, that outburst of emotion are, is kind of feeling bad etiquette and something I try to avoid myself. Um, I suppose I was actually recently told, oh, Alan, the way you, you um, don't celebrate when you win is very, very, you know, it's, it's good, but it completely uh, takes away from it when you turn around to the person beside you and say, I'm not going to celebrate because my opponent's sitting right there. <laughs> Apparently, that's something I do. I, I say I'm really happy. Well, I'm not going to celebrate because my opponent just lost. Um, but yeah, it's, but I think it's something that for the game. It is good for viewers to see, um, and it's it's like yeah, like it's, even even so many times like in coverage weekends like this where we see like little montages of of uh, you know stuff happening. A lot of it is of people cheering and people celebrating, people jumping out of the seats because that's what yeah, you want to see. Um, yeah, I think they used that clip from um, from Pro Tour Ether Revolt of like when Lucas Bertud won and all the Brazilian people, oh, yeah. there, they all jumped on him. They used that for a long time in their like yeah. for Pro Tours. So they like that stuff. And I mean, you can't blame them. People showing emotion is, you know, that's why that's what gets people invested. So, you know, you really can't blame them. And overall, it's, it's a good thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. On the negative side, the format not that great um the the thing that's really annoyed me is basically how coin flippy it feels it's like so you play in the first game you play your decks randomly so you can either get (laughs) a lot of people have come with like an esper control deck or some kind of control deck usually esper and then an aggro deck either mono white or mono red and it's just so annoying so let's say you have like an esper person versus an esper person uh, sorry, to, uh, one person with Esper and Mono Red and the other person has Esper and Mono White and then they do they randomly choose which deck is happening, uh, they're playing in the first game and then they get Mono Red and Mono White, so Mono Red versus Mono White Mono Red is very favourite there usually, yeah. of course Mono White can win but like, let's say the Mono Red player gets to play, again it's random it's coin flip, and the Mono White player gets to draw, and then it's just like a non-game, it's just over very quickly and then they have to play the Esper decks against each other, which takes ages, and there's all these irrelevant cards in their decks, and it's really very look at the draw, who who draws the most relevant cards in like the top half of their deck, like who, who draws more Teferis, who draws more Absorbs. Um, I, there is room for nuance in there, but it, it does play out very quite, quite boring a lot of the time. And then game three, it's like there's not really much in the way of metagaming or, or mind gaming your opponent. Because it's kind of like, well, if I choose if I choose the aggro deck, like Esper Control is actually pretty good against these aggro decks. So I probably should just choose Esper Control again. And then they both just choose Esper Control again, and it's boring again. And maybe the same person yeah, gets lucky, or maybe the other person gets lucky. And you're like, well, okay, yeah. that was boring. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the dead card, I think you mentioned dead cards. I feel like that's, for me, at least uh, the most uh, egregious issue because 
yeah, it's, it's usually say as we're talking here, um, yeah, game one can be like you know who who draws a better half to deck first, uh, who has you know, the fewest dead uh, rule spells in hand, and then um, but then you know arguably game two and game three when they're sideboarded, yeah, because they're sideboarded, they're more intricate, there's more um, you, know, you remove that issue, but also game two and game three are more important than game one, um, but then here just just uh, you know in the in the um, same violence at the top four. Uh, it was Maguchi against the Beats. Um, game three, they had a yeah, game three was Desper Mirror, and it was like yeah, just game three. This is a, it's all down to this game, um, and like yeah, you just have dead draws. And I think at one point the the like the, the commentary was trying to make it, it was basically trying to keep it exciting by saying, oh, it's just a race to the it's just a race to the ferry now because yeah, all of that you know, pre board matchup is about is just uh, getting the ferry down. Yeah, and like I don't envy commentary either because they've been trying to make that exact same matchup exciting all weekend. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's I think I am, um, and maybe um, yeah, and, and, and I, I can see that you know, the intention of this format was to you know, on paper it seems like oh yeah we'll do this we're going to get more um yeah more a more diverse field of people, lots of people playing lots of decks, but it actually has narrowed the field down a lot more than it has been in uh, other other tournaments. Yeah, and like don't get me wrong. There have been highlights in the Esper Control matchups. Um, can't remember who it was on the first day. It was, I think, it was Strasky versus might have been Savic actually. Not sure who it was, but it was uh, Strasky versus another player, both playing Esper Control, and that was an interesting match. Uh, there was the the match with Matt Nass uh, versus Seth Manfield, I think it was, and yeah. he, he won with like an unmoored ego. That was that was really good. So amazing, yeah. there are some good points, and also it means that the the other decks, like the rogue decks, if you will, um, are more exciting to watch. Then, like anytime anyone had like Gruel Agro, you're like, oh yeah, I <laughs> can't wait to see this because it's like a different deck. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, as you know, I'm, I'm an idiot. I just realized, oh, I haven't seen any any uh, Nexus decks. Whatever, I forgot Nexus is banned in this particular format. Yeah, uh, there was, there like, was a... the Nexus decks is elite <laughs> yeah. for the yeah. test. There, there was one, I think, one Wilderness Reclamation deck. There might have been more than one, but I know Nassif played uh, like a, a teamer reclamation deck with expansion explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the deck, but um, as as we yeah, as speak, the uh, the top four has not concluded. So who who's your uh, who's your pick for the winner? So one of the finalists is Andrei Mangucci, and then the other one could either be uh, Canister, which is Piotr Glukowski, or Andrei Strassi. Who, so who who do you think is going to win between those three players? This is going to age very. Yeah, I, I can see. Because uh, yeah, exactly. It's gonna it's, it's gonna age immediately. Um, yeah, I I I'd be definitely rooting for uh, Miguji. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, big fan of his content. Yeah. Um, so I want him to win, but um, yeah, it's I I feel like it's yeah, he's a also you know him um, just being very good at representing the MPL. Uh, I think he's I think he's his favorite him. Yeah, and, and and in the games I have seen him play, he has to be player very very tightly, very very well. Are you uh, are you a uh, I mean, Gucci man as well? Yes, I am. Yeah, I I'm I am a fan. And I think that uh, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars will go a long way to more towards uh, making more legacy videos. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Uh, so okay, we're we're all on Mangucci. So uh, hopefully this podcast ages well. Oh yeah, yes. Um, speaking of not aging well, uh, yeah. So dur- during day one, I was following. I was following Twitter because it doesn't work. I was following Twitter. <laughs> I hope my employ- I hope my employer doesn't hear this because I was at work. I couldn't watch the I couldn't watch the uh, mythic invitational, so I was on Twitter all day instead. Um, and I think uh, oh, I'll make sure I try to get started. So uh, Saffron Olive said um, it was this. This is uh, the Jerry Thompson, Jerry Thompson Gate 
during game one, uh, Gary Thompson was uh, Monterey against Esper. Um, he said something like, "Oh, uh, oh, Jerry T should have still keep should have uh, played this out, you know, and and try to win on sudden death, uh, you know, with the life points." And then, like, you know, that was game one. And then two two games later, we had you know a big moment that everybody was talking about in um you know, in the tournament where uh, Jerry Thompson was apparently ahead, seemingly ahead on, ahead on board, uh, seemingly about to win a game from being ahead of board against Monterey, and um lost because uh, the game went to time. And he lost due to sudden death by having a lower life total. Um, so Stafford Olive replied to his own tweet and said, this has aged very poorly. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that was a bit of a controversy on day one. Obviously, Jerry T, a bit of a favorite in the community. And yeah, this was a rule that I just think nobody knew about, that there's a hard time limit. And at the end of it, it's yeah. decided by who has the most life points. Um yeah. There's a rule in Paper Magic. This can happen in elimination rounds. So if, if it's not Swiss, games can't end in a draw. If there's, if it's elimination, which this is, it's a double elimination tournament, so games can't end in, a, end in a draw. So you have to determine them by something. And board states are notoriously you know, difficult to determine who is more likely to win. Like, for example, with a combo deck, you could have nothing but lands on board, and your opponent has like 30 power of creatures on the other side of the board. But you're like, well, if I get one more turn, I win. And that could well be true, but nobody is in a position to be able to judge that accurately every single time. So it has to be decided by something which, you know, the most obvious thing is life points. So, But it was just so awkward. You just see Jerry, he's like oh. in the tank. And then you just see him like leaning over and he takes his headphones off. And he's like, oh, okay. And shrugs and then just goes, clicks, can see. <laughs> oh, it was so and it's. It was so odd, and it's yeah, and like and it's like yeah, I, I think I think it's important to say that like, what you said there that this is a rule in Magic that has you know, always been there that uh, that, yeah in in uh, elimination rounds it, it sudden death does apply. Uh, a lot of people on social media were kind of saying, "Oh, this is a terrible rule, this is a terrible tournament," but you know, it's just the way. You have. Um, and it was it's something that I mean, it, it's possible that we could have you know, a whole lot of tournaments uh, that are single lim- uh, or, or sorry, I mean uh, double elimination, um, and have this never come up. Or only have this come up when you know the person who has a lower life life total is you know about to die anyway. Uh, it's so unfortunate that on day one, early on in day one, this happened, uh, and it's like it's, it's it's something that easily could have just not happened. You know, um, it's very fortunate for uh, everyone involved, especially Cherry Tops. Yeah, it was it was bad for Wizards as well. It was really bad for their image. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think it was literally round one, was it that this happened in? I think it was actually round one. Maybe it was round two. Maybe. Um, Pretty sure it was right. Oh, possibly. Sorry. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was. During, it was like after the first match is over, they switched on to the uh, or match. Yeah. yeah, maybe it was round one. Um, yeah, I think it was. Oh, yeah. As far and actually, as the first thing I saw, it. Th- there, yeah. there was no timer on the screen. Like viewers didn't know about this at mm-hmm. all. There was no timer to indicate yeah. that the that the rounds were timed, and they fixed that subsequently. They they put a round timer in the graphics overlay of the stream, but it was just so out of nowhere for that one it's just very unfortunate yeah yeah exactly and it's yeah it's, it's something that, i mean it, it was something that you know, when, when i heard it I was, I was planning basically i, was, I think I was, on the way, on the, I was on the way home from work when this uh happened um and i was like you know planning and watching it when i got home then when i saw this it's very easy to be just whipped up in all the hype of being like oh this is terrible i'm gonna boycott this terrible uh, tournament um because of this terrible rule and poor jerry it's like that that godfather meme of like look what they did to my baby you know um <laughs> or my look what they did to my poor boy <laughs> But like, uh, but then yeah, like, I suppose it's yeah. It, 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 if there is a better way to do it, 
um, yeah, maybe we should, but this, this is what the rules are. It's unfortunate how uh, how easy it is to um, to uh, lampoon this and uh, ridicule uh, the term and travel this rule because what people are pointing to like on uh, like what one of the loading screens on Arena is like uh, life totals are just a resource. It doesn't matter if you win on twenty life or one life, <laughs> uh, which it's very fortunate. But yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it is part of it. Uh, it's it's unfortunate, but you know, say la vie. Yeah. That's it. Um, this tournament overall makes me quite hopeful for the future, especially for going forward the Mythic Championships, so the the Arena Mythic Championships, because they're going to be held on Arena. I assume they're all going to be like this, or you know, somewhat similar to this, maybe slightly less production value because of the hype around this one, but they're all going to be something like this, and um, they're going to be, you know, quote-unquote real magic. They're going to be best of three. They're going to be fully sideboarded games. Yeah, that's something that um, I was kind of I was kind of considering as I started watching this. I feel like my like apart from another kind of minor technical technical issues with the stream, which yeah, I think you, you have to expect. Uh, and I just I I have to sc- I have to stream open on uh, in front of me on, on mute. Uh, just one comment scrolled by quickly was uh, oh be be nice guys. Uh, real esports are hard. Um, because it is. I mean, it's 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 a you know it's a live broadcast. It's a it's a big you know, tournament. Um, yeah, sometimes so technical hiccups happen. Uh, but really, the only my only hang up my only hang up over this whole weekend is just uh, the best of one format, the dual standard format. Um, I, I think so. I, I'd be very very happy if you know I, I'd almost see you know no issues with this if this was best of three, you know, like normal normal magic as you said, and it is is exciting to see um, this going forward. Yep. All right. So we have plenty of preview cards from War of the Spark uh, from the War of the Spark panel. First of all, just to mention the trailer. That was before the panel. Um, what a trailer. We'll link it in the show notes. How did you feel watching that? Link it. Link it. Link and park it in the show notes. Sorry. Um, link it. Like Link and Park. I, I, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I suppose, as you just mentioned, technical, issue, technical issues. It was very humorous because uh, when they played it, when the stream started, um, there was no sound. So chat were freaking out that there's no sound this trailer came on it looked amazing but um it was like it was obviously a lot less powerful without the sound uh and then after this silent trailer played uh it cut back to like the audience uh, he watched it you know live at pax and uh, people were all cheering and people were crying and getting emotional and then um the sound came back on and then uh, <laughs> the, 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 the panel were like wow what an amazing emotional trailer that was that was absolutely fantastic and everyone in the chat was like well we didn't get to see, we didn't get to see the whole thing uh but then they, they they played it afterwards and it was absolutely fantastic yeah with, with sound really good um will we go through some story stuff first or will we go through the cards first what what do you want to do yeah i, I guess go through the story first to set the scene um why as i as, as i yeah. say my, yeah. my lore knowledge is comes and goes it's, it's not great right now so we'll, we'll try best how's your Loreology. Say that again. Uh, how, how's your how's your um, knowledge of the lore? Are you up to date? Caught up? I mean, I'm not up to date on. I haven't read any magic story in a long time, but like I know what's going on. Yeah, okay, we can we can figure we can guess the the, the minor details. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But so yeah. So basically, this is a culmination of um, Otis's plans, uh, just like Thanos in Infinity War, which I saw this morning. <laughs> um, so combination of his plans, seeing everything come, come together. So it actually has, it's really interesting that there actually has been kind of one major major element from you know each of the last sets going back as far as I want to say uh, Kaladesh. So Kaladesh, he got to plane bridge, transports people from one plane to another. Um, 
Then in then yeah, there's Amaket where we saw him, you know, assemble his army of Eternals. Um, and then there's another set, uh, Ixalan, where he got the uh, uh, the Eternal Sun, Eternal Sun, yeah, the Eternal Sun, uh, which I guess yeah, show, which shows the same thing as Rocket Sparks. So it seems like uh, that this is all some sort of a big trap to, to trap all the Planeswalkers from around the multiverse on Travnica and uh, killed all of them. Yes, and that is exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, so he he has a he has yeah, he's using the uh, Planar Bridge to invade Ravnica, and so we see so. You, uh, in, so in the trader, sorry, take one. You, you were saying that his uh, or or this story is is uh, kind of going all the way back to like Kaladesh and stuff like that with the planar bridge and and what have you. But I would say it, it even kind of goes back further. In in a way, this is like or it feels like the culmination of the Gatewatch storyline. So going all the way back to Origins, really. Yeah, I, I see. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, it's. I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. You know, for origin up to, origins up to a. Uh, um, you know, Elder Moon has been kind of you know, getting the Planeswalkers together, and uh, from that point forward, it's like we saw yeah, so the Planeswalkers being brought together from that uh, the Gatewatch order, um, and then yeah, each each uh, each set after that has you know, added another element to this plan. And then I guess they could argue that probably just goes even back you know further. You know, was it like Conflux? Was that when we first met Planeswalker Nicole Bolas? Uh, um, but anyway, he's he's very very smart dragon, and uh, this is all part of his plan. <laughs> even though when when when, when when uh, the, the gatewatch, gatewatch went to Amaket, you know, there's some kind of like, oh, maybe this might be a trap. Um, I'm not sure how aware they are that this is also another trap. Yeah, he 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 wants Planeswalker Sparks for some reason. I don't I don't know what that's going to do for him, but I can imagine that you know having lots of them would be good <laughs> for some reason. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> Planeswalker Sparks. So yeah, he's yeah. he's got uh, special artifacts. He's got the Planar Bridge, which is now incorporated into Tezzeret's body. Um. He's got his army of Eternals from Amonkhet, and they're coded with Lazatep, which allows them to travel between planes for some reason. And uh, yeah, he's using the Planar Bridge to bring them all to Ravnica so that they can invade, kill the city. Yeah, yeah, kill the city. Makes sense. Uh, and they seem to be, from the trailer, they, the, the Eternals seem to be able to actually take the spark out of a planeswalker and then like send it to Nicole Bolas. I'm not sure the exact mechanics of that um and then the final thing is is the the immortal sun which he has used he's taken from uh from ixalan and that's what is trapping planeswalkers once they actually get to ravnica they can't leave again because of the immortal sun stops planeswalkers from leaving a plane um so yeah all these things coming together so bolus can hatch some grand scheme and of course he's also got liliana whose contract he is in control of and she is heading up his eternal army which is known as the dread horde um and in the trailer we see liliana at the head of that army and she's sending the eternals towards gideon gideon looks like he's in a bad way but then she kind of has a change of heart she sees ralzarek dying it appears and some little kids dying being crushed by some rubble and she seems to have a bit of a change of heart and she stops the eternal army from attacking gideon and sends them towards bolus Bolas is understandably a bit pissed off by that, so he uh, <laughs> he gets angry, and uh, Liliana seems to start burning up. You can see her contract written on her skin starts to light up orange, and little bits are floating off her. She seems to be in great pain, and that's pretty much where the trailer ends. So we're kind of left hanging as yeah. Liliana's fate. Well, starts to trickle away, trickle away piece by piece, like uh, that film I watched this morning. Uh, <laughs> airplane. 
and yeah, quality quality soundtrack for the for the trailer as well. Oh yeah, it was it was something that um because I saw the trailer you know in silence at first, I was kind of thinking, oh, I wonder how much better it will be with sound. Uh, and then like once I uh, uh, yeah once I heard just like the first two notes of of the song, I was like, did I put it in the end? Find like a park into a match the getting trailer, and then um, I wasn't quite sure. And then once the vocals kicked in and the powerful point in the in the trailer, I was just blown away. Now yeah. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can see why people got, I can see why people got emotional the first time. Yeah, um, it was very, 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 and it's important to note that this is this is the first full like CGI trailer that Magic has ever had. So like previous trailers for other sets, they've been good, really good, but most of the time they're just like the animated card art, which I have no idea how they make them look so good, but they usually always look very good. But this is like on another level, you know. This looks like a movie. This looks like what you would expect yeah. from the magic movie, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, it was, I, I was like, I feel like every, you know, at, at each set, the, um, the, the, the trailer for each set, I was just gradually being getting better and better. And yeah, like I said, for the most part, it does have been, uh, you know, animated, uh, you know, card images, um, whereas this just blows everything else out of the water. Uh, it's looked absolutely amazing. Um, people have complained before about, uh, Bonus's new, uh, aesthetic, where it's kind of like, like a demon goblin face, but, uh, it looked very well, looked class in, uh, this trailer. Yeah, I think he, I think he looked pretty good. I think everybody, everybody looked well. Um, so moving on from the story to the cards, um, we got a bunch of uh, preview cards, and you know the there the mechanics of the set are obviously based around the story. You know, Magic has been moving more and more towards this over time, but we have some mechanics here. We have obviously this is the Planeswalker set. We know that there's 36 Planeswalkers, so there's some Planeswalkers in the spoiler here. We have four planeswalkers to talk about, I think. Yeah, four. Um, and we also have uh, a new mechanic, which is a mass. Uh, I think we'll maybe go through that one first. So um, a mass is this uh, mechanic to represent the dread horde, which is the army of eternals. Um, one thing I don't like about the art here is that they're really uh, they're whitewashing the eternal army. So if you remember on Amonkhet, some of the eternals were like serpent people. Or jackals, but here they all seem to be human skeletons. I'm not up. I'm not. I'm not down with this. Oh yeah, yeah, that is something that um, I know. It, it's I feel like something that probably just comes straight from uh, uh, this set and um, uh, our devastation is having different art directions. That yeah, it's it's uh, you know, art director this set was already going for a different aesthetic. Um, I mean, which like, does look class, but it is yeah, kind of not consistent. So a mass is this mechanic where you amass. Uh, with a number, so it's it's like a mass one, a mass two, whatever. And when you do that, you put two plus one plus one counters. So a mass two is put two plus one plus one counters on an army you control. So army is a is a type. And if you don't control an army, create a zero zero black zombie army creature token first. So army will be a creature type, I guess, and it'll be a token. And if you have an amass card uh, and you have an army, then you'll just put that number of plus one plus one counters on it. And if you don't, then you'll make a zero zero token and then put the counters on it. So it's uh, your creature will basically just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger every time you amass. Yeah, yeah. In in uh, in, in this particular card. Um, oh yeah, so you're right. Each time you amass, yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it, it is an interesting mechanic. I, I I'm not quite sure. I mean, I, I think a lot of uh, limited play will be based around this. Um, I think you mentioned that this is a uh, limited to the Grixis colors. Uh, um, you know, representing you know, the the you know, bonus, bonus army. Um, this particular card, Dread Horde uh, Invasion. You know, 
I think I think could see is could see a splash in um in Saturday. Uh, I think I think it'd be interesting if the power level of you know enough mass cards uh, reach a point where we can see lots of mass energies happening in a high power uh, constructed constructed deck. Yeah, so I'll read this card. It's uh so Dreadhorde Invasion. It's uh one on a black for an enchantment. It's a rare. It says at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life and a mass one. So if you don't have an army, you make a one one army. If you do, then you just put a counter on it, so it'll become a two two, three three, etc. And you lose one life every time. Yep. And it says whenever a zombie token you control with power six or greater attacks, it gains lifelink until end of turn. So basically. I mean, the the natural reaction here is this is a zombie bitter blossom. Um, it's not quite the same. Bitter blossom generates individual tokens. This just keeps making the same token bigger and bigger. So there is less versatility. But you know, sometimes going wide is, or sometimes going tall is better than going wide. Um, and also, if your token gets big enough, if it's six power, you're going to get a refund of life to keep you ticking on this uh, a mass trigger every single turn. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like even if if uh, let's say if the token reaches you know becomes a three three or four four and your opponent you know points a rules spell at it or or trades for it or or it in any way you know you're just going to start amassing again uh, on the next turn. So um, yeah, it, it it is you know a very slow card, but I think it could see um, it could, could see playing in the right places. I think if there is an amass deck, then it's obviously amazing because the more amass cards you have, the the bigger your your zombie army will will get. Each each time, you know, it's going to become very big very quickly. Yeah. Um, of course, we don't know all the amass numbers and what have you, but like we have a common here with amass two on it, so you know, it's it's I think it's safe to assume that there are higher numbers than amass two, and we also have amass X and another card here. Um, I think I think we're probably yeah. not going to mention all the cards, but uh, yeah, m- maybe just go through the rares or things that are interesting to us. But yeah, this one is a rare. Um, yeah. I think this is, at the very least, it's good at the sideboard against control because if you're just making a creature token every single turn while you're also playing spells out of your hand, like, control won't be able to beat that. Of course, it's an enchantment. Control now has a way to beat enchantments, mortify. But it's just another way to tax them, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's yeah, it, in fact, you're, you're building your board, contributing to your board uh, without having to tap any mana is, uh, you know, will gradually, slowly bring you further ahead in a, in a long, grindy game. Yeah. Um... Another rare Amass card here is Widespread Brutality. So this is an Amass Wrath. It's a one black red red for a sorcery. It says Amass 2, then the army you amassed deals damage equal to its power to each non-army creature. So if you have nothing on the board, this creates a 2-2 for you and then does 2 damage to everything else. Well, each other non-army. So if you're in the army mirror, kind of does nothing. Just does Amass 2. Yeah. But if you're in any other kind of deck, then it just does two damage to everything else. So already that's very good rate for four mana. And if you happen to have even a even a one one amass on the board, then you'll be putting two counters on it and then doing three to everything else. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, yeah, so, yeah I, I think it, it is hard to, to evaluate in in a vacuum. Well, yeah, looking at the uh, at the at the floor, um, yeah, the the, the floor, the, the rate of the floor is fine. It's a uh, you know, four mana two two comes in, deals two damage to. I think we probably for all start say it is your opponent's creatures, but yeah, so those we have to see, we'd have to see because so far we haven't seen. No, I'm right to say this, we haven't seen any uh, army cards that are creature like actual like spells that are army. Uh, so far, it seems like armies are just tokens, but that, that could change. What do you mean spells that are armies? I mean like okay, creature spells that are armies because it's so it's a. Uh, well, we have the herald of the Lord. It's a three two when it dies, a mass two. 
No, but it's a creature type of that army. Oh, okay. No, I assume. I mean, yeah, only for only on the token. Yeah, for that tactic. Yeah, um, yeah. And also, that's something we almost have to see. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm excited to see how this how this turns out, and it will be cool if there were oh, if there were no okay, um, no deep and synergistic deep and synergistic uh, army um, archetypes. Uh, but so far, this does, does seem like a strong constructed or sorry, strong limited um, a strong limited uh, yeah uh, keyword. Like, you know, then again, widespread brutality <laughs> looks like it'll be very good in limited. Yes. Um, we also have another mechanic. This one is returning its proliferate. This is kind of insane in a Planeswalker set. Um, as we'll see later, we have some Planeswalkers that only have minus abilities. So proliferate could be very important in order to give some loyalty back to your Planeswalkers that don't have plus abilities. Um, so the only card that we have here at the moment is Flux Channeler, which is Tuna Blue for a human wizard, 2-2. And it says, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, proliferate. And proliferate, for those who don't know, is choose any number of permanents and or players, then give each another counter of each kind already there. Yeah, so, so it, it's... So, so, I, I, so on, on the stream as well, they mentioned that last time I saw proliferate was with uh, Infect. So you're, you're either kind of adding minus minus one counters or uh, poison counters. Um, whereas now, yeah, we're, we're obviously not in an Infect block. We are... Yeah, we'll, we'll be using this to add counters to, to Planeswalkers and plus one plus one counters uh, to creatures or armies as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's it's cool yeah. that they can use Proliferate in such a different way. Like, obviously, Proliferate is a very powerful mechanic and has been used in, in lots of different ways over, over the course of its, you know, the time that it's been in the game. Um, but I think that using it here in a set where it's it's only positive, whereas in the previous context it was only negative, it, it always gave a poison counter or a minus minus one counter but here it's it's always giving loyalty it's building up your creatures i think that's a a, a neat way to to bring back a mechanic yeah absolutely yeah and it, it's you know, i feel like broadly speaking this could represent um you know the planeswalkers fighting back against the army so we're pretty free but... yep so we have a bunch of planeswalkers so we obviously need to uh call the gatewatch uh times two so we have to <laughs> ignite the beacon which is four and a white for an instant. It's a rare. It's a search your library for up to two Planeswalker cards, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. So it's a double Planeswalker tutor for five mana at instant speed. Um, so like Call the Gatewatch, never saw any play in standard. It was two and a white for a uh, search for one Planeswalker, and it was a sorcery. But uh, instant speed search for two, I think that's probably good enough. Like maybe a, a one-of of these in like Esper Control, and they just search for... A Teferi and a Kaya end a turn if they're not under too much threat. Seems good. Yeah, I think I... Yeah, so something that, to be honest, when I saw this card first, this is the first card they, they announced. When I saw it first, I immediately dismissed it because it, because it was so similar to an uh, unplayable card. But yeah, it being instant. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, how the... Uh, uh, you know, how these Esper Mirrors had um, have played out uh, you know, in the Mythic Invitational where you know, it, it basically is just a race to get Teferi down. Um, this could be very, very important for, for that matchup. Maybe even just for that for the archetype. Yeah, I mean, you know, hypothetically, if you played four copies of this in your deck, eight to fairies, no joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, this is just because I suppose mean, you're. I mean, yeah, obviously, difference between four and five mana, but it's it's you know usually you're you know holding four mana for removal or your uh, captures captures insight. Um, so you're you're going to be and as for all, you're in the uh, you're in the market for uh, holding your mana up uh, during a bonus turn. Um, to fire off, it's like in the turn, so yeah, yeah it's been incentive, very important. 
to to be clear, the only reason that I think this is playable at all is because it's an inst- that's that's the only situation. Yeah, yeah. You know, as as basically a replacement for Chemist's inside, not totally replacing it, but a complement to it. Because sometimes you, I would say, a lot of the time, you just want your Chemist's inside to draw you like a removal spell in a land. Where, you know, this can't do that, but this mm. does draw you your finisher. And I don't know if if you know we're getting a set with thirty six, thirty seven planeswalkers. Planeswalkers might, you know, are, are bound to diversify, and this helps you get single copies of Planeswalkers that you have in your deck as well. So this could also be like a mid-range trump card, um, where you're just able to fish out two of your most powerful spells in your deck. Yeah, yeah, and and, and like and you know, if if, if depending on how diverse you see, how diverse these Planeswalkers are, you could be able to search you for two, uh, you know, silver bullets for a particular situation. Yeah, um, if all these multicolored cards are getting you down and you're sick of facing against these three power or, or three color powerful decks well you've always got Ravnica at war it's a three and a white for a sorcery exile all multicolored permanents boom these what 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 deck would this destroy in standard oh um I got out of this deck with hero of precinct one yes oh sorry yes exactly Jesus Christ though, because yeah because they're playing multiplayer spells anyway it doesn't actually kill um, hero of precinct one or any of the tokens but <laughs> kills all the other <laughs> yeah 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 um i mean despite the fact that yeah. we're in like a guild standard and we have really good mana there there are a lot of decks that while they might be two color or three color most of their permanents are actually monocolor um like if you think about a deck like sultai what gold cards are actually in the deck i mean you have fine finality but that's not a permanent so really you're down to hostage taker and uh hydroid crisis and yeah, it's great to be able to exile those, especially because of the aforementioned fine finality. But it's not going to save your life if you're facing down a board against a bunch of Wildgrow Walkers and Jade Light Rangers. So it's definitely a niche card, um, but it's a good safety valve in the format. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think it's, I mean, yeah, like sort of, sort of straight away, I think there's more, more states in standard right now that this does nothing or very little to. Uh, but I think this card just existing is going to be enough to uh, yeah make sure things don't go crazy. Go crazy. And we have plenty of multicolored planeswalkers coming. Uh, so let's dive into the planeswalkers. I guess um, we have four planeswalkers to talk about today. Uh, because there are so many in the set, it has now been confirmed that they will be at uncommon, rare, and mythic rare. And yeah, we have two. We have an uncommon, a rare, and we have two mythics. So one of them is the BioBox promo. So I'm not sure exactly where to count that, but uh, let's let's start off with the uncommon. So we have Vraska Swarms Eminence. She is a legendary planeswalker Vraska, and she costs two, and then a Golgari Hybrid, Golgari Hybrid, so four mana total. She comes in with five loyalty, and she has a static ability. So every planeswalker in this set actually has a static ability as well as their their uh, loyalty abilities. So her static ability is. Whenever a creature you control with Death Touch deals damage to a player or Planeswalker, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature. And then she only has a minus. She only has one loyalty ability here. So only minus two. Create a 1-1 black assassin creature token with Death Touch. And whenever this creature deals damage to a Planeswalker, destroy that Planeswalker. Glass. We got Planeswalker Death Touch. Um, super Death Touch. Uh, that, that seems... Yeah, so a... I mean, her, her being at Uncommon is like obviously very good for the balance of the set right we have here a planeswalker that keeps other people's planeswalkers under control yeah and 
the tokens have death touch as well, so they're also just generically useful. And like she can bonus twice, and then she'll be stuck on one loyalty, and you can leave her there with the with the static ability. Of course, she can be attacked, uh, or maybe you can yeah. do some proliferate shenanigans to bring her back up again, so you can minus again. But yeah, she seems like a very good uncommon. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of um, interesting because I suppose like, this does set the bar of uh, you know, what, what an uncommon planeswalker looks like. So we've been speculating for a long time as to you know, what, what, what is an uncommon planeswalker. Um, so I guess it's, yeah, like, you know, just you know, four mana comes down, spits out uh, some, you know, two, two uh, ones um, of returns. It's like, yeah, it's, 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 well, it's not on the same power level. Um, it's definitely not going to break limited. Um, I think this is good limited, but uh, it's not like, you know, not, not, not as powerful as planeswalkers simply are in, in limited. Um, I, I really like the fact that these do all have uh, static abilities because I guess it's a way of having a planeswalker do more than one thing without uh, without making it too complicated or without making it um, or without making two both abilities you know too powerful. So it's it's something that has basically yeah, but well, perhaps more of these and common planeswalkers will have you know a minor uh, yeah a minor static ability and uh, a value generating minus. Yeah, um, I mean some of them might only have a plus as well, like a plus one gain of life or something like that. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think yes. it's a, a cool design space. Also, it kind of seems like from the pattern here, uh, it seems like the uncommon planeswalkers will have their static ability and then one loyalty ability. And it seems like the rare planeswalkers will probably have their static ability and two loyalty abilities. And then the mythic ones will be like actual planeswalkers that we're used to with three abilities, like a, a plus, a minus, and an ultimate. Because the, the rare planeswalker that we're about to talk about here does not have an ultimate. Obviously, Vraska didn't either. Mm, yeah. So the rare planeswalker we have is Ajani, the Great Hearted. He is a legendary planeswalker, Ajani. Two green white and five loyalty again. So four mana, five loyalty, pretty good. Uh, creatures you control have vigilance, is his um, his static effect, which is quite good. Obviously, you know, four mana for that effect is, is way too much. But, you know, we also have a planeswalker with loyalty. So let's see. Um, plus one, you gain three life. Not great, but, you know, not nothing. Uh, minus two, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control and a loyalty counter on each other planeswalker you control. So here we basically have a, an anthem effect. So if you can, you know, compare this to, like, uh, Always Watching from uh, Eldritch Moon or Shadows Over Innistrad, whichever one it was, uh, that gave your creatures vigilance and plus one, plus one. So this does the same when it comes in for one more mana. Uh, but you also have a Planeswalker there on three loyalty who can give your creatures plus one, plus one counter again, and also gives your Planeswalkers loyalty counters. How many Planeswalkers you're going to have at once, I don't know. And then it also has the random upside of you can plus it, gain three life a few times, and uh, minus it again. Seems good. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, and uh, I'm trying to picture this in limited. It's something that it can be just bananas uh, if you're ahead on board, even, even you know a little bit. Uh, this is going to change the combat math uh, significantly, um, and also, yeah, it's 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 something you, you mentioned. It's like these, even when they come, even you know, best case scenario, he comes down, you gives all gives once your creatures uh, vigilance, uh, pumps wall plus one plus one. Then as well, it's like yeah, he, he, he he's actually after, he, after he's done all that, he still yeah threats it on, on on battlefield that um, probably has to be attacked uh, by your opponent. So he's also kind of buffing your life uh, in that sense. Um, yeah. And like gaining tree life every turn is it's not nothing. Um No, no, definitely not. That's uh, like, yeah. So it's even like even worst case scenario, um, you know, if, if you don't if you don't have a board, if you play one on, on an empty board, you're taking them up, you're yeah, 
basically, I suppose if you take him up, you're kind of essentially gaining nine life. Yeah. Um, ooh, it's actually four mana gained nine life. Well, what do you think about that? <laughs> Would you play that? Maybe not. No. So, but you know, it sounds good, but um, with the other stuff. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's still a, yeah, yeah, still, still a threat. Um, yeah, and I mean, you said he's going to change combat math significantly, and I mean, he'll be something that has to be attacked, but it's very hard to attack him because he gives all your creatures vigilance. So you can just make your creature yep. bigger and start attacking with no fear that you're going to be cracked back and that Johnny's going to be killed because all your dudes have vigilance. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It seems pretty good. The more we talk through it, the more uh, signed up I am. The more signed up, the more um, the more on board I am with, uh, <laughs> with uh, Johnny Greathearted. We do already have like a, a green-white token second standard that you know this would just be fantastic in. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of fine with uh, Shalai for that space, but uh, maybe they both. And then other Ajani as well. I suppose it's not better than previous Ajani. Uh, do we have an Ajani in standard? Oh, you had one from M19, uh, the two white white. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think back to the to like when, when we had like Oath of Ajani, and I was like, when did that happen? That was a long time ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that, that was a funny magic card. Oath of Ajani. Yeah. Uh, and go back to the game. Yes. Uh... Well, I mean, you can have both. Legendary Planeswalkers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Why not both? Exactly. Um, all right. Next up, we've got Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge. This is the third Tezzeret card to have Master in the name. Oh my god, it's so poor. I never realized that. Yeah. So uh, lads. Artifice Master, Tezzeret, Master of Metal, and Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge. Um, so this is four blue-black. This guy's the, the Biobox promo, by the way, and he's a mythic. So it's four blue-black, six mana. Uh, for 5 loyalty and his static text is creatures and planeswalker spells you cast have affinity for artifacts good god this is it's comical someone told me that oh um, in, in this deck set there's going to be uh, affinity for artifacts it's, I, 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 would have, I would have laughed I would have thrown my tea in their face and laughed out of here golding hot tea but no it's it's, it's <laughs> It's happening straight away. They they stressed uh, on on the panel that uh, there will be no other cards, <laughs> there will be no other cards in this set with affinity for artifacts. That's right. Um, I mean, also, Tezzeret is the buy box promo, so like he's kind of technically not in the set, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even though he is, but yeah, it's yeah. I suppose it's something that we don't necessarily. I suppose like one when we I saw him first uh, before I realized it's buy box promo promo. Even just from the static line alone, uh, I was thinking, oh, maybe this is going to be a lot of uh, a lot of artifacts in the set. Uh, to support you know this card yeah um but that doesn't necessarily need to be the case we, this that doesn't need to be the case um so his other abilities he has a plus two so he can go straight up to seven uh he deals x damage to each opponent where x is the number of artifacts you control and you gain x life it's pretty good for a plus two yeah uh minus three return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand so as a regrowth for artifacts there and his uh ultimate ability is minus eight Exile the top 10 cards of your library. Put all artifact cards from among them onto the battlefield. So, seems pretty strong. Uh, I mean, definitely not. He's he's very build around. I don't think he can fit anywhere in modern. Too expensive, probably. But that yeah. static ability, that's that's breakable. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's nowhere near as, 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 you know, it's nowhere near as breakable as Nexus of Eight, but I am looking at this and thinking like, once again, we're we're trading close to the line of um, you know, an exploitable, playable buy box promo. Yep. Uh, like I don't know. Do you have any? What, what's what, what, what's the dumbest thing we can do with uh, affinity for artifacts and standard? We have. Um, I mean, it's like the mortal sun. Getting your mortal. Yeah. No, it's because it's creatures and. Oh, sorry, no, sorry, creatures, creatures, creatures and planeswalkers. Yeah, sorry, I was thinking of um, hello, 
Best I can, the best I can do is Meteor Golem. <laughs> Meteor Golem's pretty good, yeah. Yep. That's pretty uh, this, this is why I'm not. Sign me yeah. up. <laughs> um, no, the, the, the thing that comes to my mind is whatever the new Ugin Planeswalker is. Oh! Because that's Jesus Christ, yeah. So, um, in terms of creatures, I don't think there's that many things that I can think of that are, like, so uncastable that are also in blue and black. Mm, maybe... Oh, no, he's not in standard anymore. I was thinking Razaketh. He's gone. Yeah. Yeah, I can't really think of any, like, big creatures that you'd want to uh, affinity out. To be honest, I don't even think there's any yeah. support for it in standard. I can't think of very many cheap artifacts. Oh, we have treasure, actually. Yeah, I think I think the treasure treasure map is, is really you know, as deep as you can go with this. Yeah, treasure is kind of awkward though because it's like it doesn't work the way you want it to work. Like treasures don't provide two yeah. for affinity for artifacts. You have to yeah. leave them there and not sacrifice them in order to get the affinity mana or to get the affinity reduction. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. The, you know, keep keep your eye on this one. This could be super busted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that will bring us to our final planeswalker for today, which is. Liliana, Dreadhorde General. She is four black black. She's got six loyalty, so six mana, six loyalty. And her static ability, whenever a creature you control dies, draw a card. That is a strong static ability. Oh god, yeah. Uh, Her plus one, so again, she also goes straight up to seven loyalty. Uh, Create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Her minus four, so she go down to two loyalty, is each player sacrifices two creatures. So a bit of a Liliana of the Veil throwback here. And her ultimate is quite similar as well. Uh, Minus nine. Each opponent chooses a permanent they control of each permanent type and sacrifices the rest. So it's kind of a tragic arrogance kind of thing here as well going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this this, this will be very, very powerful. Um, Um, Especially if if you're... Go ahead. Go on. I I, I suppose it's either in the control deck or you're not playing many creatures. But for for that minus, even if you are... You force sacrifice two creatures. You're drawing all cards off them, so you're um exactly. It's it's it is the rate is very high. Like, and what if you're? I don't know. So I've granted you only have seen these cards a few minutes ago, so I haven't got got a, got, got a chance to go deep into you know the possibilities. But um, like I don't know, something like oh, afterlife that triggers those kind of cards that um you know it's just thinking thinking ways to get more value out of out of this minus uh for sacrifice your own self. Yeah, uh, obviously tokens. Um, yeah, and Mister. Her her text is whenever a creature you control dies. So it, it you know tokens, normal creatures doesn't matter. Any creature you control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, looking forward to seeing um yeah how we can, how we can push this. Uh, do we have any X creatures in uh, in standard right now? Uh, Hydro not X. Hydro Grace. Oh, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, X. Uh, <laughs> Hydro Grace is for two mana. Um, <laughs> draw a card. Uh, oh, you mean like? I mean, I mean, sometimes it's kind of a pure like artifact creatures are for that are X. Yeah. Uh, uh, I feel like there is, isn't there? Isn't there like an artifact that's like just comes in with counters x equal to one? No, no, I'm not sure. When when I look at Liliana here, she reminds me of Emrakul, the Promised End, in in the sense of if I'm playing like a mid range deck, she just totally invalidates any other top end that you could be playing in that deck like why would you play anything else but her oh what do you mean that's it that's it so like i don't know something um like in, in Golgari midrange you, you, play, you play her over uh like oh, say Vraska relic seeker yeah like handily yeah 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 i think that's very straight up recent um over hydro cases uh well 
No, yeah, you're probably right. Hydroid Crisis is the the actual card that does that. But I mean, yeah, I, I guess Hydroid Crisis isn't necessarily high end. Well, yeah, because it's flexible. She, that's she, where you're. That's where you're, you're here about. Um, she she seems to be prime um, mid range mirror tech. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely backbending. Yeah, we though the put this in some kind of um like a even like a, a eldest reborn deck. Um, yeah. It's like, yeah, I'd like getting her, getting her back from both, like, like, you know, flipping bonus and immediately getting her back uh, and sacrificing two creatures uh, when you're not playing any creatures yourself. Sounds amazing. Pretty sick. And I'm, I'm scrolling through some artifacts here. Uh, there really isn't that many. Yeah, but again, you know, affinity for artifacts, that's just the type of card that you have to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he's six mana, so you can't actually use his affinity ability until you've already paid for him. So, yeah. you know, he, he's not as busted as he looks or as he kind of sounds at first glance. Like, that line is very... Sorry, I, <laughs> we've just ignored Liliana and gone back to Tezzera. But the, sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the line of text yeah. is, is very eye-catching. But I just, you know, he, he's yeah. not that good. But he definitely is... He's on the power level where he, he could see play. Um, I don't think Wizards are, <laughs> are going to be in a spot that they want to have another artifact set for a long while. So he's probably well oh, yeah, yeah. in that sense. And I would say he yeah. won't see play in standard for a while at least. Um, so, you know, pick them up while they're cheap after release or whatever. Yeah. I think it's the X artifact feature we're trying to think of was Chamber Sentry, which oh, yeah. doesn't work all that well. But it's, yeah, so I know I can but that, pass it. Not... Drop it. Cantrips, it's free cantrip. Okay. Hand it. Yeah. Nah, that's not that great. I know, so... Imagine if we had walked yeah. though. My God, yeah. God, oh, in dreams. We do have uh, one more artifact to talk about here. We, we have a, an artifact from the current set, um, which is Bolus's Citadel. Pretty sweet-looking art here. Um, it's three black, 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 so it's a colored artifact. It's a legendary artifact as well. It's a rare. It says, you may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may play the top card of your library if you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its converted mana cost rather than pay its mana cost. So you actually can't choose to pay the mana cost. You have to pay life. Um, and then it also has the ability tap sacrifice 10 non-land permanents. Each opponent uses loses 10 life. Yeah, this is... Uh, <laughs> this also seems like very, very breakable. Um, I can't see it right now. Uh, like, yeah, if, if as long as you're... Also, it is comparable to Experimental Frenzy. Um, as long as you don't hit double land, you're you're you know, going through your deck for free. Yeah. Uh, but then the, obviously, then the life, the life. Uh, you know the. You know, I guess when you're casting lots of free spells, but with a card like this out, you do have to worry about your life don't going down. Um, but I mean, if you're getting a few spells off for free, does it matter? Maybe it does. Yeah. Um. I mean, we were joking before the cast about Frexian mana, and I mean, this just makes everything be Frexian mana. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cheaper than Frexy Mana, but um, yeah, yeah, half the price. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, I mean, yeah, I think. No, go on. Uh, like this card seems insane. However, it does have like an internal conflict. You know, you mentioned Experimental Frenzy. Experimental Frenzy is good because it's you know it's it's four mana. It's at the limit for an aggro deck. That's or burn deck. That, that's the limit of what they want to be paying for their spell, and then. The good thing is it allows you to churn through the deck so fast because all your spells are one mana, two mana. Um, this is six mana with three black in the mana cost as well, so it's it's hard to cast. Uh, I can't see an aggro deck just slotting this in. 
And so if it's not an aggro deck, then you're looking at putting this in a mid-range and control deck. Control decks don't want to pay life for their spells, because they'll just die to aggro decks. And mid-range decks, they might want to pay life for their spells, but they will tend to be more expensive spells. Like, if you're playing a Jade Light Ranger off the top with this, then, you know, you're paying three life for that. That's That could be a liability against aggro, you know? It, it could be great. It could be great against control, but not so good against aggro. Although, now that I think about it, if you have a Wild Grow Walker on the battlefield and you pay for a Jade Light Ranger, that's pretty good. There's no no loss of life there. Oh, oh my God. Imagine that. <laughs> then, then you really are just going through your deck for free if you're, yeah. if you're, if you're hitting um, a lot of uh, explore creatures. Yeah. Ooh, and, that is, and, and also, the final ability, ability of sacrifice 10 non-land permanents, each opponent loses 10 life. I mean, that's really just trinket text, I think, here. The the idea that you would have 10 non-land permanents and not already be winning the game is kind of unlikely. And then even if you do, 10 life may not be enough to seal the deal. What if they have a way to instant speed gain life and you just sacked your entire board? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's sick. I, I would be uh, very scared to ever go for that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you could do stuff like set yeah, yeah. block and then sacrifice everything. Oh yeah, it's, it's like, 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 yeah, so it's, yeah, it's being into speed does 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 matter. Uh, that could come up. Um, yeah, oh yeah, ten yeah, non land permanences. Ten non land permanences is is well, difficult to reach. I mean, the, the, accidentally the, game. the other thing you could consider is uh, tokens because it doesn't say non token permanence. Um, but white black is not really, or like black is not really one of the colors for tokens in standard at the moment we do still have have the ixalan stuff the ixalan vampire tokens which are black white i think you maybe could build a black white tokens deck but it's not exactly what's supported at the moment it's more green white at the moment so i don't know this is yeah this is one to watch i think uh but seems more like a fun card than than something that'll actually be a, a real contender yeah yeah i think it's like what do we i think it could just be a lot of win condition for your revel and riches deck sounds sweet that is what does it it, yeah treasures treasures do count for this yeah yeah and if you're playing treasures you might be able to get it out you know a turn or two faster than turn six i mean that is true yeah yeah and then if you're yeah kind of it's yeah and then, like, like we said it's getting, getting a few free cards off this insane i mean something like even like even stuff like instant speed removal when you have no cards in your hand like that's a that's a kind of nonsense we can get up to yeah that's always always a nice surprise for the opponent oh love it all right, I just want to hit a couple of lands here before we we finish off. I'm not gonna go. We're not gonna go through every card. There's a few few little ones in here, like a few commons and things that not necessary to talk about. I think at the moment we'll just hit the highlights. But yeah, these lands are pretty cool. So we have Emergence Zone, which is a, a a land. It taps for colorless, and you pay one tap and sacrifice it, and you may cast spells this turn as though they had flash. So it's basically a two mana kicker. Give a spell flash. It's pretty decent. Yeah, this is just this could be bananas. Um, could be. Yeah, cast some planeswalkers end of turn. Yep. Uh, I mean, as ever, if planeswalkers have flash, it's not that great because it's like you don't get to activate them on the turn they come in. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, like if you're if you're, fight, if you're fighting through the gates or whatever, you know, that's that's yeah, safe. Definitely, yeah. Um, and combining this with uh, Polis of Citadel, <laughs> um. We can we can storm off in someone's turn. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't know, but it's it does. Yeah, it's, it cast spells this turn. So like, it's not just the next spell you cast. It's it's every spell you cast now for the rest of the turn. Obviously, you're down two mana, so that's unfortunate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I guess I, yeah. I I I I don't see this, I don't see this uh, scene play uh, unless unless there is a specific exploitable thing we can do with it. 
I mean, I'm trying to think of what the the best thing is. Flash hydrocrisis. Um, hmm. Yeah, because you're you are losing a card, but I mean, it does give like spells that you really don't want to be instant. Like it can make them instant, like discard spells. Yeah, I think it's yeah, like discard in your draw step. That is. Yeah, like like if you have this thought erasure, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's a cool card. Maybe some combo potential, or maybe it'll fade into obscurity, or just be relegated to casual. But yeah, cool card. Um, it's also an uncommon. So oh, sorry, before, yeah, before we move on, what if uh, what if you play this in Tron? Okay, I'm listening. Um, I haven't thought of like flashing Romcoil engine. Yeah, right? pretty good. <laughs> That's one thing. Uh, flashing Unamog. Is there casting it? Do that? What is there no better way to do that? What the, the flash in Ulamog? <laughs> yeah, like is there not? I mean, yeah, it's like usually. Uh, sorry, yeah. I mean, once you're casting it, you're 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 winning. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Although, I, even I flash it in like Wakamlissa, like Wakamlissa instant speed removal. Yeah. Now, now that you say it, I mean, it could make sense in Tron because you have things like Expedition Map and Ancient Stirrings to to find it. Yeah. Um. But like, like, like usually, one of Green Tron is like a, a flex spot. Um. People are playing Buried Rune at the moment. That's like the latest tech. Yeah. Uh, it's like usually it's kind of you know how many ghost supporters you play, how many uh wins you play. Um, so for to throw this in, I, yeah, like you can. I don't really see speed in. what huge advantage you're getting out of it, but yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe if you go back. What, to, oh, what if you? If you go back to red green Tron or something, and you have Kozlex return, you can have like yeah instant speed flashback Kozlex return or something like that. So yeah, it's actually yeah, some of that that is actually um pretty bananas. So you get your and like even something like. Your big dude plus Kozilek's return at the same time. Yeah. Speaking of Kozilek, what if we instant speed Kozilek uh, in response to a spell and then just draw seven cards and encounter it? Um, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I, I'm sure there's... Then I mean, it's like... <laughs> to do that, but... Like, the turn before we do that, so if, we, if we're, like, passing our... Yeah, if we pass the turn back with seven mana, uh, or whatever it is, ten mana, 12, 12 mana, rather, um, uh, like, yeah, it's, why, why, did we, why did we just cast it on, on their turn? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, maybe just getting getting the big dudes out with a uh, yeah, take advantage of Kozak Return's second um, ability. Yeah, to it's a speed slash because we saw how busted uh, um, Elder Defiend was for Scottish audience. True. Okay, well, I expect uh, a full report on this in the next few weeks. Yeah. What if? Sorry, one more thing. What if um, Mono Blue Tron was play this because I suppose they're in the market of holding up mana, and if they end the turn flash in Mind Slaver, you can just untap and use it without having to get um. You know, all the mana for it. Yeah, yeah, that that actually sounds interesting. And I mean, um, say well, yeah, I'm, I'm not, yeah, not for near enough foot. I'm on blue to, to know how good this is, but uh, say it again. So yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm less familiar with mono blue uh, Tron to know how well this fits. Yeah, I mean, mono blue Tron does actually play mind slaver like in the main deck, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, um, so sounds well, I, I, it, at least yeah. if it works against spells or um like maybe Eldrazi Tron and uh you know. Uh, oh, it, it draws that flash in Tonots here. Yeah. <laughs> so again, where are we passing the turn with six man up? <laughs> I don't know. True. Um, <laughs> well, I highly doubt that Emergent Zone is going to be in any of the decks that we have just mentioned, but <laughs> we could try. It will find a home somewhere. Um, the yeah. other land. Sorry, one more thing. What if? Yeah. What? What if there's one more thing? What if there's, what if there's, what if there's another card in this set because the Planeswalker set that says uh, you can activate Planeswalker abilities at instant speed? Okay, now we're now we're now now we're making now we're in our market of flashing Karnin and uh, 
That sounds pretty good, actually, to be honest. Yeah, so we'll, we'll keep an eye out. Yeah. Okay, one more land. We've got Interplanar Beacon. So this is uh, from the Ignite the Beacon card we call it. We, we talked about earlier. This beacon seems to be a an Interplanar call for Planeswalkers. So yeah, Interplanar Beacon. It's a land. It's an uncommon as well. It says whenever you cast a Planeswalker spell, you gain one life. It's decent. Uh, tap, add colorless. So it can just add colorless, like just like Emergent Zone. Uh, but then you can also pay one and tap to add two mana of different colors. So it has to be different colors. And you can spend this mana only to cast Planeswalker spells. So it's a rainbow land for Planeswalkers, but you also need to tap another land. So it doesn't put you up any mana. It just can fix your mana. But they have to be two different colors. So you can't cast... Well, you can cast plane, monocolor Planeswalker spells with this. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of strange. You also gain one life when you... Yeah, cast. yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that is. That is I guess, I guess maybe, like, maybe this will be an important part of uh, a lot of limited archetypes. Yeah. It's a common, right? Did you, you say it's uncommon? Uncommon. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, maybe it's just fixing it for that format. Uh, I'd be surprised to see it anywhere else in that, but... Um, I mean, like, Esper at the moment would not play this, right? The one life is nice, but no, uh, colorless... The fact that it's only it only gives you colored mana for Planeswalkers is very unfortunate because Esper has, like, very high color requirements on their cards, like Absorb and Kaya's Wrath, so... If you're trying to yeah, yeah. spells other than Planeswalkers, this this is uh, not very good. It's just a colorless land. But maybe if we have some kind of like Super Friends control deck after, you know, when when, when this set was released. I mean, if, if there is any set in the history of Magic which will spawn the possibility of a Super Friends deck in Standard that is actually competitive, it has to be this one. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I think it's, I mean, um, because, because the mana at the moment is so good in Standard, uh, I kind of I can't, I can't see us needing needing this card unless we're playing four or five colors. Yeah, but I mean, it could even be along the lines of you know, like the unclaimed territory that the Gruel Warriors deck is playing now. Like it just improves the mana a little. Oh bit. yeah, it's like it's it's almost unintuitive, and it's it was a, a really great idea with whoever came up with it. Um, mm. you know, you have all these cards that you want to play anyway that just happen to be warriors. So if you're playing a control deck and you have all these cards that you want, happen to play anyway. That are just planeswalkers like if we have planeswalkers that have a, a minus of a straight removal spell and it's like two mana or something you know that's that's your cast down replacement obviously it's not it's sorcery speed not not instant speed but yeah, yeah. we can envision that kind of deck you know yeah yeah i, I think as well it, it'll, it'll depend on let's say right let's, let's say we have all the planeswalkers in a set uh we know what you know we, we know which tools we want to include in this super friends deck but let's say if the mana just works out to be um i don't know let's say for playing uh like what, like a, like um, if it's a really kind of color intensive Esper deck where we have, I don't know, maybe like a Planeswalker that's you know black, that's a, that costs uh, you know black, 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 or uh, you know, a Planeswalker with this with the same um, with the same kind of mana cost as Kai's Wrath or Absorb uh, as you mentioned, uh, and then you know I, th- I think in that case, you know, yeah, we we will need we will we'll be relying heavily on a card like this uh, you know, to, to, to take some mana. Sa- same way, this the grow the grow warriors basically grow warriors is um allowing us to play. Uh, green cards in what is a chain order deck yeah i mean don't forget we we looked at vraska today she has uh hybrid mana in her cost so i'm assuming we'll be seeing more planeswalkers like that yeah yeah um i think in general they like to keep planeswalkers somewhat mana intensive as in like two two colored pips in the cost just because i don't know that's just seem seems to be the way that they balance planeswalkers they, they want you to be solidly in that color before you play them and I mean, we do have yeah. a Grixis Planeswalker in standard at the moment. We have a, a, a nickel ball. Actually, no, that's a <laughs> that's a creature, so this doesn't work for that. 
Yeah. Sure, we will, we will have a nickel bolus planeswalker by the end of this spoiler season. Yeah, I'm psyched. Yes. I wouldn't, yeah. I think. I, I, I just had a thought. Okay, G- give me your but, thought. No, this, <laughs> I was saying, it's like, uh, be very easy just to, to uh, have a massive impact on, on modern if Ugin uh, is printed at, you know, at a high mana cost and is very, very powerful. Um, I was thinking how sad it'd be if they just decided to print him at like two generic mana or three generic mana. But they couldn't do that because he's Ugin. Uh, you never know. I mean, that's, yep, that's true. That we would have uh, three mythic planeswalkers. Now, I don't know if Tezzeret is counted in that. I think he's probably not. Um, I don't think he is, yeah. Yeah, because he's the buyer box. So we have Liliana. Surely Nicol Bolas is one of the other mythic planeswalkers. And then who else would, yeah. you, would you say? Yeah, I mean, my, so initially, before today, I would have said Ugin uh, when I hesitate me, but like, Ugin so far hasn't necessarily been represented much on the uh, promotional material for this. Um, so I, I suppose you haven't seen the backset, so maybe, maybe he will be. But um, if, if if Ugin does feature on the box or on booster packs, it would likely be him. Uh, otherwise, well, I'll, 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 I'll probably be leaning towards Gideon. Yeah, I would lean towards Gideon as well, just because kind of feels like Gideon's going to die, but I don't know. He still has storyline left on Theros, so I kind of don't want him to die because I want to go back to Theros. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, Vraska would be one of the big ones, but yeah, she's just an uncommon here. So um, I'm not too sure. So do, do you think... Ugin could be an uncommon. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's because him be, like, being a colorless planeswalker. Colorless planeswalker. Um, yeah, I think it's yeah, I could unlikely for him. Yeah, to it, it'll, it'll be if he's colorless. Yeah, um, like maybe him and Garn are both rare. Yeah. Then I suppose as well. You probably do have. I feel like probably is some pressure um, on them to make Karn and uh, Karn and Ugin do two very different things because we have two colorless planeswalker, two colorless planeswalker in the same set. Um, we saw kind of Karn in Dominaria with like a kind of unique design. Uh, maybe I'll do something like that with him here. Uh, I was going to end the podcast here, but we just have new cards. What? Oh, 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 wow. So let's go through these um, new cards. Uh, and I think, yeah, we're, we're not, we're definitely not going to have time for any kind of enter the arena shenanigans this week. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll quickly talk through these new cards. So we have some more. Uh, so just where, where, walkers. Okay. So where can I find these? Just, uh, um, uh, Spoiler.com. This, this is live folks. Yeah. Spoiler, all right. Just in. Uh, okay, we have Obnixilus the Hate Twisted, three black black. Oh my god! Three black black, uh, yeah. five loyalty, he's uncommon. His static ability, whenever an opponent draws a card, Obnixilus the Hate Twisted deals one damage to that player. It's pretty decent. And then minus yeah. two, destroy target creature, its controller draws two cards. Ooh. 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 So he does two damage, but two cards for destroying a creature, and he's five mana. You can do it twice. I mean, mm. can you kill, kill your own creatures, but... Yeah. Yeah, killing your own creatures is interesting. Yes. Because yeah, because the, the static ability doesn't apply to. Yeah, doesn't in that case. You. Um, interesting. Well, interesting. Like, yeah, I, I suppose it. it if you kind of creature, it's very kind of plays off you play um, in the slow matchup. Um, they'll just slowly uh, ping your opponent to death, uh, and then you just have that minus. Um, you start to fall behind. Then you're gonna fall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they if they play like a bomb nasty roof, you know, then sure, then you're like fine, but, uh, like. I'm not too optimistic yeah. on that one, to be honest. The the drawback yeah. seems way too heavy. Um, we also have Tybalt, Rakish Inst- Instigator. Uh, two and a red. Again, five loyalty. So three mana, five loyalty. His static ability, though, your opponents can't gain life. So straight away in limited, kind of almost irrelevant. In constructed, that could be very good. Very good sideboard card against like Esper or whatever. 
And then he has minus two yeah. ability. Create a 1-1 one, one red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. So his actual ability, not that great, but his static ability is very interesting. Uh, yeah, but I suppose like, he, he's still three mana. Uh, comes down to make two 1-1 one, one red devils. Like, yeah. Uh, sorry, I mean, over two turns. Uh, like that's still, I was going to say, it's still pretty good. There's literally a comment uh, on Mythic Spoiler right in front of me that says, still terrible. Um, <laughs> I mean, like three mana for it. I don't know, I was trying to, because we, we saw these red devil creatures in uh, Shadows, I think. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think of how they were, how they were costed. I remember they were you know, frustrating, but... They were pretty highly costed. I think it was, it was two mana for each one. Okay. Because they get you two mana worth of value, right? They can trade with a, a two toughness thing. Like, definitely yeah, the, yeah. the devil is, is... It's good. Like, getting those two devils, they're, yeah. they're decent creatures. Like, if you have those two on the board, they can trade with a 4-4. Four, four. And if you have a, a Judith, um, Judith Scourge event in play, uh, they will do more than that. <laughs> they'll, they'll be, what, to be two ones that will do two damage. Yeah. yeah so they'll, one of them will trade for a 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. All right. And we have one more rare here, which is Time Wipe. It's a, a sorcery, two white, white, blue. So five mana altogether. Pretty intense color costs. Return a creature you control to its owner's hand, then destroy all creatures. Sorry, I'm just reading this for the first time now. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, so five mana wrath. Five mana wrath. Five mana wrath, yeah. In blue. Yeah. And if you happen to be playing a creature deck, it saves your best creature on board. Yeah. I mean, seems insane and limited. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This flavor text. To comprehend the full answer requires years of temporal study. In short, they were now never born in the first place. To fairy. Oh, class. <laughs> Love it. This seems good. I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, if we have some kind of mid-range, tempo-y, blue-white deck, this could be a, a trump card in, like, mirrors or mid-range mid matchups. Yeah, yeah. And this this uh, strikes me as a Tragic Arrogance-esque card. Yes. Like, could you do something stupid like um, return a small crisis to your hand, and then uh, next turn play a bigger one? Yeah. Sounds good. Perhaps. Uh, God, I, I'm, I'm just going to be... I'm just going to refresh this page just in case anything else came in as we started. I think uh, I um, think we're going to wrap it up here because otherwise we'll just be constantly refreshing and this podcast will never end. So yeah, we do have a we do have a removal spell common. Um, oh okay. Up next to this cruelty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it here. This might be important. This could be pretty be, be pretty important to standard. Oh yeah. Uh, up next is up cruelty. They're two black for an instant. Our creature gets minus five, minus five for the end of turn. We'll die, exile it instead. Okay, yeah, so, I mean, straight off the bat, uh, that's great against Phoenix. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, Phoenix of, Phoenix is of all kinds. Like, yeah, does this, does this just kill everything? There's, there's very few things this doesn't kill, right? It's happening right now. Um, uh, I mean, it can't kill a crate like, that's too big for it, but, like, other than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it kills a lot of stuff. doesn't kill Carnage Tyrant, of course. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of played creatures that it, it doesn't kill. Of course, it's three mana, so like against uh, against red decks or mono white decks, it's it's just not good enough. It's it's too yeah. slow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mid range, pretty pretty decent card against mid range, and the exile is very relevant. I think um, exile, like that's one of the reasons why Kaya is, is actually good when you're playing Esper against uh, Sultai. Because they have so many fine finalities, they have so many um, ways to to get their creatures out of the graveyard that uh, exiling is a is a really big upside. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I suppose it was a straight up comparison um, to what was called um, Brass for Darkness, uh, you know, Black Black minus four minus four. So I mean, this is like easier to cast, which uh, yeah, one mana more expensive, but easier to cast. Yeah, and kills bigger things. Yeah, um, and, and like you can see in, in that format, people are really kind of jumping jumping through hoops and stretching their mana to um, cast uh, Grass of Darkness. Uh, so this being easier cast is, is a lot. This is a lot going for it. This kills Gideon Alloy of Zendikar. Holy shit! That doesn't matter, but <laughs> <laughs> actually, I, I my my mind was like back to, a, to, to three years ago when people played Grass of Darkness. Yeah, I got very excited. For this. Um, I mean, yeah. If I mean, if you're if the Gideon Planeswalker in the set uh, ends up being very powerful, it'll kill that. Yeah, uh, kills what well, Adanto Vanguard kills. Um, yeah, other stuff. Uh, I mean, it kills it kills things through Adanto's bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, seems very good. Um, Definitely seems like a uh, playable and standard coming forward. Um, okay, yeah, we we have to cut it off now because otherwise we'd be looking at these these spoiler yeah. cards until next week, and we will never stop this podcast ever. So uh, okay. <laughs> it's going to do it for us this week. I, I will, of course... Wait, another one came in. No, I'm joking. Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> I will, of course, <laughs> link, link the uh, the gallery in the show notes, and I'll link the trailer in the show notes as well. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us, skullcrackpodcast.gmail.com, or you can tweet at us. That's at Skullcrack, uh, with C-R-A-I-C for crack. And uh, that's going to do it for us this week. week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Last week we had a, a, a brief discussion about April Fool's Day. Um, I thought that last week's episode will be out for April Fool's Day, but uh, <laughs> April Fool's Day still hasn't happened yet. But uh, this episode will will be out um, <laughs> closer to the time of April Fool's Day. So we'll do another another April Fool's Day challenge. Right. David Wolf, are you ready? Are you up for a challenge? Yes. I mean, when I say another April Fool's Day challenge, you know, the first challenge was listening to my story, but this is a this uh, is, um, sort of evolved engagement. All right, hit, hit me with it. Okay. All right. So today, on extra turns, um, I need to find a pen. Uh, we are going to play fact or fiction. Ooh. Isn't that clever? Name after a magic card. Um, <laughs> so you know, one one thing we always see on April Fool's Day is, uh, you know, um, uh, yeah, basically stupid little um, like news articles about fake things or like fake news articles, fake news basically. Um, that usually are kind of jokes or ridiculous articles. Yeah. Uh, which I, I feel like over the last few years, it's been getting it's reaching the point where it's like no longer funny, and this is kind of like, oh, well, I, I just have to avoid, you know news all day today um but uh because you can never really tell what's real and not what what's not real but they will today i'm going to read out some news headlines to you uh you got to tell me if they did or did not happen okay are these... so some of these are april jokes okay. some of these are real news articles are, are they okay magic related no no they're not, it's not there's, no no <laughs> unfortunately not <laughs> um okay first one is this one has a very nice uh 40 uh photoshopped image beside it uh the room tommy wiseau the room's Tommy Wiseau wants to make a Star Wars movie. Okay. Uh, so the question is, is this a, a real headline of a thing that actually happened or is yeah. it fake made up? Yeah, for April Fool's Day. I mean, you did say that there was a Photoshop picture beside it, but I guess even 
if this was real, I feel like Tommy Wiseau would do a badly photoshopped picture of him in Star Wars. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guess that this is real. Um, yes, you're correct. This was uh, this was posted on the 6th of December 2017 on MovieWeb. Um, uh, there's a quote. He says, uh, if someone asked him, would he like, one fan asked if he'd like to direct a Star Wars movie. He said, yes, absolutely, but I am very busy and I prefer to act. Hashtag Star Wars can contact me. So uh, it's not really a, an, an actual news article. It's just um, taking a statement he made and turning it, turning it into news, such as... Turning it uh, clickbait. Such as, basically, yeah, yeah. So it's just, these are either going to be clickbait or clickbait. Basically, it, it, this is all clickbait. Um, <laughs> that, that was a particularly bad one. Uh, I'm, I'm actually reading these articles for the first time. All right, this one. Um, Big Cheese Festival apologizes for running out of cheese. <laughs> uh, a big cheese event in Brighton. I think that's real. I want to believe that's real. I want to believe that the the cheese festival organizers uh, just don't have it together. Uh, yep, this this is this is uh, this is real. This is from uh, March 2018. Um, one of the headlines is, or one of the sub headline is, if you're going to promise a cheese festival, one thing one thing you'll really need is cheese. <laughs> uh, but organizers of an event in Brighton are now offering refunds after running out of this any stuff. Wow, uh, oh, awful shame. Like. Okay a big deal in the cheese community, like where people posting about that on the cheese Reddit. <laughs> Is that where I wondered how much outrage there was? <laughs> yeah. Uh, people were like, oh, you know, wizards of the cheese can never sort their stuff out. This has always been happening. Um, I'm gonna, I mean, the death of competitive it. cheese in Brighton. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> okay. I just want to read a little bit. Of this. Okay. This one is, uh, uh, so NASA says, we do not have a child slave colony on Mars. <laughs> Um, this one has to be an April Fool's joke, or or like not real, but kind of there's something kind of telling me that I should go for real. But I'm, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say this is not real. Yeah, uh, yes, this is not real. Yeah, this, this was a uh, uh, posted on April Fool's Day of 2017. Okay. Um, it kind of it basically kind of talks about some conspiracy theories and kind of says, oh, and one other conspiracy theory Alex Jones had was was uh, this, uh, and that's had to uh, reject it. Um, <laughs> I have I have I have a load here open. I'm just gonna try to find one. Okay, the survey says one in eight young people in the UK have never seen a real cow. Uh, I think I kind of think the number would be higher than that, actually. But I'm gonna say that's oh, real. Okay. This is real, yes. Yeah. Um, while they have maintained, while they have spotted, while they have spotted cows on television, twelve percent of eighteen twenty-four year olds in the UK are so familiar with countryside they have never seen a cow in person. Uh, this article goes on to say as if this is a very very bad thing. But I mean, does it really matter? No, I mean Farm Ireland. Yeah, like I've I've never seen a great white shark in person. Am I like what's going on there? Am I blind? It's got to it's got to surf some more. Yeah, or ever. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Twitter CEO says Mark Zuckerberg once killed a goat with a stun gun and served it to him for dinner. <laughs> okay. This is, uh, Jack Dorsey. That has to be fake. That is that. Uh, this is fake. This is posted. Okay. Um, April day last year. Um. Uh, it seems like he had an interview with Rolling Stone um, around the same time, but uh, they just added this extra detail on. Okay. Um, I mean, do. Yeah. it was kind of a thing where you, it felt like you kept adding details. I, I know that is what the actual what the actual headline says or whatever, but I feel like if you stopped it yeah. a bit earlier, I would have been like, oh yeah, maybe that's real. Like, Mark Zuckerberg killed a goat. I'm like, okay, maybe for some yeah. reason, somehow. Yeah. And with a taser, I'm like, okay, probably that's a bit too much. And then served it to him for dinner. Okay, that's definitely not real. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I've I've loads here. I'm just trying to find what's the best uh, 
Well, let's, well, let's do two more. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, Missouri man must watch Bambi monthly as part of poaching punishment. Judge rules. I've got a picture of Bambi. You want to believe that this is real? I'm going to say real. Uh, this is real. Oh. <laughs> Missouri poacher involved in the illegal killing of several hundred deer over three years, taking their heads and leaving their bodies to rot. <laughs> must watch Disney classic Bambi once a month while he remains behind bars. <laughs> He's having to watch Bambi in prison. <laughs> yes. Wow. I'm sure. Uh, I would like. I mean, Bambi's a good movie. <laughs> I mean, exactly. It's done very well. Um, the late yeah, actually, actually, I, I said, yeah. Um, I still have two more here. Um, okay. Oh God, I have so many pop-ups. All right. So I basically opened up a whole load of tags, but now a whole load of tabs. But each one has, has um, uh, you know, stuff to click through. Like, oh, we value your privacy. Oh yeah. I just yeah. want to read. Uh, just want to read that damn headline. Okay. This is posted uh, in Men's Health. Man creates a Tinder-like dating app where he's the only guy available. <laughs> Um, I think that's probably real. Uh, this is real, yes. <laughs> if you ever use Tinder, you know the odds are stacked against you. Um, this is what this says. Uh, the guy, was, this, this is posted, this was very recently, this posted um, Valentine's Day of last year. Oh, sorry, no, Valentine's Day of 2017. Um, so I've anticipated the scarcity of potential matches will create increased demand and with a more chance of dating success, he told the mirror. But now I'm a big fish in my own pond. <laughs> <laughs> How many uh, many users has he got there? Uh, it didn't go to that level of detail, but uh, maybe, or maybe it did. Um, he, he he does not say. Okay, that's unfortunate. Wonder yeah. if it's still available for yeah. download. Yeah, essentially, again, this is probably just a non-story. That's a uh, clickbait. Yeah, uh, I'm given all these terrible use outlets a lot of uh, a lot of coverage. <laughs> yeah. um, no one should okay. post the links Here's to one, uh, stories. I'm I'm not going to post these in the show notes. Okay, that's good. Well, you're not going to post. Uh, you're not going to want to post this last one with ingestible pill. You can now track fart development in real time on your phone. <laughs> fart development? Um, like how far away your yeah. fart is from coming out? I, mean, I was really hoping I wouldn't have to go into detail in this particular uh, story, <laughs> but I'm scrolling down. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that that's uh, false then. Um, you're right. This is false. This is uh, nearly a very poorly put together um, <laughs> April Fool's Day joke. Um, would you want to hear? Do you want to hear one more April Fool's Day joke? Okay, give me one. All of the headlines I read were all real, including the fart one. No way. Yes. What? Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, the, so scientists have developed, or, or, sorry, I'll probably find this. Um, yeah, so Mark Zuckerberg um, did, has uh, killed a goat with his own gun and served, to, to, served, to, served it to Jack Dorsey for dinner. Um, I mean, when I say it's real, these are real headlines. I, I can't vouch for the veracity of the stories themselves. Oh, but, um, oh Al. Uh, yeah. You got yeah. it. It's April Fool's Day. Um, I know. I, to be honest, I was hoping you'd say more are fake because I was just going to agree with you saying they're fake. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, these, these are all real. Uh, <laughs> um, scientists often hope to break ground with the research, but a group of Australian researchers will be likely <laughs> happy. Would, would likely be happy with breaking wind instead. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> uh, this terrible fire one. Yeah, yeah. The tooth tracker, they call it. <laughs> Great name. Um, Great name. Very patchy. <laughs> fairness. All the other articles I had were kind of really kind of stupid and like. Basically, you know, these really shitty articles you see where they just take like one tweet and just just write a whole lot of a friend. Uh, this one actually goes into great detail about um, uh, this technology um, of this fart tracker. So I'm actually finding this more interesting than I did. Um, maybe this is what we should leak in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's from. You can have everybody uh, it's from their, apply their scientific mind to this, uh, <laughs> to this yeah. situation. This is, yeah, this is posted in, uh, in uh, 2018 um, on. Uh, the unfortunately named Ars Technica, A or S Technica. 
it actually just seems like an implication that happens to be called Ars. <laughs> yes, are you not are you, are you not familiar with Ars Technica? Um, actually, I'll see what what ARS stands for because it could be a big deal. Um, because it actually it is look this does look like a legitimate website. It's like a um, it so. is it is it's a big uh like like technology website. They report and review technology. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm still looking forward. Pretty sure it's like Latin or whatever. Okay, right. Yeah, our, our, our very good. That's why people don't usually call it culture mind. <laughs> I sure they don't. Yeah, we're like ours, ours. Yeah. All right. Well, that was very silly. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Goodbye. Bye bye.